And so Jesus says to us, children, come near and gather around to listen to my word. Come, I will teach and counsel you to fear the Lord your God. And let's read his word, 2 Samuel 19. Read verses 8b through 40. The revolt is over. The Antichrist has been destroyed. David is overcome with grief, lamenting for his lost son. And Joab helps him get back on his feet and to see the needs of the kingdom that are pressing upon him because God, in his mercy, is restoring David to the throne. David's not worthy of it, but Christ is. And that's why God is lifting him up. It's Christ's throne. Page 319. We read in verse 8, the king arose and took his seat in the gate and the people were all told, behold, the king is sitting in the gate. He's still on the east side of the Jordan at Mahanaim, but he's sitting in the gate and all the people came before the king. Now Israel, that's the Absalom side of the revolt, had fled every man to his own home. And all the people were arguing throughout all the tribes of Israel saying, the king delivered us from the hand of our enemies. He saved us from the hand of the Philistines. And now he has fled out of the land from Absalom. But Absalom, whom we anointed over us, is dead in battle. Now, therefore, why do you say nothing about bringing the king back? And King David sent this message to Zadok and Abiathar the priests. Say to the elders of Judah, why should you be the last to bring the king back to his house? When the word of all Israel has come to the king, you're my brothers, you're my bone and my flesh. Why then should you be the last to bring back the king? And say to Amasa, are you not my bone and my flesh? God do so to me and more also if you are not commander of my army from now on in the place of Joab. And he swayed the heart of all the men of Judah as one man, so that they sent word to the king, return, come back, both you and all your servants. So the king came back to the Jordan, and Judah came to Gilgal to meet the king and to bring the king over the Jordan. And Shimei, the son of Gera, the Benjaminite from Behurim, hurried to come down with the men of Judah to meet King David, and with him were a thousand men from Benjamin. And Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul, with his 15 sons and 20 servants, rushed down to the Jordan before the king. And they crossed the ford to bring over the king's household and to do his pleasure. And Shimei, the son of Gerah, fell down before the king as he was about to cross the Jordan. And he said to the king, Let not my lord hold me guilty, guilty or remember how your servant did wrong on the day my lord the king left Jerusalem. Do not let the king take it to heart. For your servant knows that I have sinned. Therefore, behold, I have come this day, the first of all the house of Joseph, to come down and meet my lord the king. Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, answered, Shall not Shimei be put to death for this, because he cursed the Lord's anointed? But David said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah, that you should this day be as an adversary to me? Shall anyone be put to death in Israel this day? For do I, not, do I not know that I am this day king of, over Israel? And the king said to Shimei, you shall not die. And the king gave him 
his oath. And Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king. He had neither taken care of his feet, nor trimmed his beard, nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he came back in safety. And when he came to Jerusalem to meet the king, the king said to him, Why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? He answered, My lord, O king, my servant deceived me. For your servant said to him, I will saddle a donkey for myself, that I may ride on it and go with the king. For your servant is lame. He has slandered your servant to my lord the king. But my lord the king is like the angel of God. Do therefore what seems good to you. For all my father's house were but men doomed to death before my lord the king. But you set your servant among those who eat of your table. What further right have I than to cry to the king? And the king said to him, Why speak any more of your affairs? I have decided. You and Ziba shall divide the land. And Mephibosheth said to the king, Oh, let him take it all, since my lord the king has come safely home. Now Barzillai the Gileadite had come down from Rogalim, and he went on with the king to the Jordan to escort him over the Jordan. Barzillai was a very old man, an aged man, 80 years old. He had provided the king with food while he stayed at Mahanaim, for he was a very wealthy man. And the king said to Barzillai, Come over with me, and I will provide for you with me in Jerusalem. But Barzillai said to the king, How many years do I still have to live that I should go up with the king to Jerusalem? I'm this day 80 years old. Can I discern what is pleasant and what is not? Can your servant taste what he eats or what he drinks? Can I still listen to the voice of singing men and singing women? Why then should your servant be an added burden to my lord the king? Your servant will go a little way over the Jordan with the king. Why should the king repay me with such a reward? Please let your servant return that I might die in my own city near the grave of my father and my mother. But here is your servant Kimham. Let him go over with my lord the king and do for him whatever seems good to you. And the king answered, Kim Ham shall go over with me, and I will do for him whatever seems good to you. And all that you desire of me, I will do for you. Then all the people went over the Jordan, and the king went over, and the king kissed Barzillai and blessed him, and he returned to his own home. The king went on to Gilgal, and Kim, Kim Ham went on with him, and all the people of Judah and also half of the people of Israel brought the king on his way. This is the word of the Lord. May he bless it to our hearts and lives. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, do you remember the first time David went to the throne? after he had been so hunted and harassed and left homeless and hungry by King Saul and commander of his army, Abner, and all his men. And they were going after him and they're going after him. They knew he was the Lord's anointed. And finally, when Saul died in battle against the Philistines, Saul and his son, Jonathan, did David say, Here's my chance now to clean out my enemies, get rid of them from the land, and consolidate my power as king of Israel. Did he do that? You remember? He took the road of mercy to the throne that first time. He lamented over Saul's death, how the mighty have fallen. 
He lamented over Jonathan's death. And then when Abner and Ishbosheth continued to fight against David to say, Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, should be the king now in Saul's place. Not you, David. Then he reached out to Abner and said, Will you be the commander of my army? And then when some of David's men went to Ishbosheth and killed him in his bed, he killed them for killing Ishbosheth. Why would you kill him? And how he showed mercy to Mephibosheth. You remember all those people on the road to the throne, how David reached out in mercy toward his enemies. He took the road of mercy. The Father has shown me such mercy. Why would I not then extend that to my enemies? Well, now his road back to the throne is the same one. It's a road of mercy. Absalom is dead. The revolt has failed. The people flee to their homes. This would be a great time for David to lash out injustice against his enemies and clear them from the land, get rid of them. Pay them back what they deserve. But what does he do? God has elevated him to the throne. He was committed adultery and murder. God has restored him. God's mercy overflows to David. And now his mercy overflows to his enemies on his way back to the throne now a second time. The king takes the road of mercy back home to his throne. That's what we see this morning. There are five pictures of mercy here. First Israel and Judah. And then Amasa. And then Shimei. And then Ziba and Mephibosheth. And then Barzilla. I don't know if we'll get through all five today. But I want to look at these five pictures of God's mercy, Christ's mercy shining through David on his enemies, teaching us. Do you live in payback mode? That person has mistreated me. There's no way that I'm going to have anything to do with him. That's a graceless road. Do you live in payback mode? Are you overflowing? Does your heart overflow with mercy? toward those who have hurt you even because Christ showed you mercy when you hurt him and when you were his enemy. That's the challenge. First, David shows mercy to Israel and Judah. Notice how the passage begins in verse nine with Israel. That's the the northern 10 tribes called the house of Joseph. They're arguing with each other. What are they arguing about? They're saying, we had such a good king who delivered us from our enemies and he delivered us from the Philistines. And we traded him in, this godly man for this good-looking man, Absalom. And he's dead now. It was a failure. We sinned. They're repenting. We went after cisterns that hold no water. 
and rejected the well of living water that God gave to us in his anointed one, the kingdom of Christ. So then they started arguing with each other. You lead the way in calling David back. Everybody's sort of too proud to claw their way back and say, we made a mistake. You ever been in that spot? We made a mistake. Oh, there's no way that, that we're going to show that. We're, we're going to keep going proudly in our way. You be the first. No, you be the first one. And so they're having this discussion, this back and forth, this arguing. Who's going to bring the king back? We know we made a mistake. We know we sinned. We have to bring him back. Isn't the Christian life a lot like that? We decided that Christ wasn't good enough. So we went after that shiny pony, that shiny object that we hoped would give us a better life. That toy, that drug, that alcohol, that relationship, that vehicle, getting more money, And we went in pursuit of that and we rejected the Christ. And then we land up in a mess and we want the king back. But but who's going to go? What does David do? Notice what David does. He goes one step further than them. He hears they're having this discussion. And he says in verse 11, say to the elders of Judah, why should you be the last to bring the king back to his house? When the word of all Israel has come to the king, you're my brothers, you're my bone and my flesh. Why then should you be the last to bring back the king? He says to his own tribe, Judah, who led the revolt. That's where the revolt started. These are the main antagonists, the main criminals in the revolt. It started in Hebron, remember, with Absalom. And what does he say to them? Look, the northern tribes are talking about bringing me back. What about you? You're my brothers. You who chased me off the throne. You who rejected me and tried to crucify me. You're my flesh and my blood. You see the mercy of David? Where he is inviting the chief of sinners, Judah, to ask him to come back. And I'm reminded of our Lord Jesus Christ. When his disciples forsook him and fled and Peter denied him, they laid hands on him as enemies did. And they crucified him. And the disciples forsook him as well. And then on Easter morning, he gets up and he says to the women, go tell my brothers, the disciples, my brothers who forsook me and Peter, I want to see them in Galilee. He reaches out in mercy to those who've rejected him. And the people respond gladly to David's merciful invitation. 
Verse 14, and he swayed the heart of all the men of Judah as one man so that they sent word to the king, return both you and all your servants. So the king came back to the Jordan and Judah came to Gilgal to meet the king and to bring him back over the Jordan. They all rushed to the Jordan River to help David and his men over to come back. It's a beautiful scene of reconciliation and reunion, all at the invitation of the king who has said, I want to take the road of mercy back home. Maybe you're in that spot where you feel that you have so rejected your King and Savior, Jesus Christ, that you're thinking, how can I find my way back anymore? What will he do? Surely he's done with me. And you may be assured that though David's mercy is imperfect, Jesus' mercy is perfect mercy. And he's not only glad to have you back, but he's waiting and he's inviting you and assuring you that he takes the road of mercy. Though we have wronged him, don't be afraid to turn to the Lord and ask him to come back into your life. Come back, Lord, to me. And his promise is, if you turn to me, I will return to you. Beautiful. It's stunning. I am so thankful. The Lord does not give me what I deserve. He's merciful. We see that secondly with Amasa. If you look at verse 13, in this invitation to Judah... There's one Judahite that gets a special invitation. Amasa, who's that guy? He's the kingpin of the revolt. He's the nephew of David. Who Absalom chose to be the commander of the revolt, the commander of his army. He's the bad guy of all bad guys. And David says, and say to Amasa, are you not my bone and my flesh? God, do so to me and more also if you're not commander of my army from now in place of Joab. Yes, there's frustration with Joab. There's more going on here than meets the eye and, and we'll see more of that in chapters 20 and 21. But this is a king of mercy and forgiveness and restoration who's eager to reach out to his enemies and invite them to reconciliation and reunion and restoration. And we may doubt the wisdom of this. And we may question the justice of this. Again, David's love is imperfect and his mercy is imperfect. But there's no doubt when you see the whole picture that David sees, he is stunned that this is the day the Lord is lifting him up back to the throne. It's a day of 
joy and mercy toward enemies. God is giving us the kingdom back. It's not a day for revenge. What about us? Are we eager to show mercy to others who have wronged us? When we rejected Jesus and laid hands on the Christ, the Son of the living God, to crucify and kill him, how did he respond to us? Even to the chief of sinners like Amasa. He calls us back and when we repent, he forgives us. And he calls us his brothers, his bone and his flesh. And like Amasa, offers us a place of honor in his kingdom to serve him. Like this is mercy on steroids. This is abounding mercy. Be the commander of my army. Oh, may God give us that kind of a heart. I know a man whose father sinned against him when he was young. The father hurt his son terribly. Later, the father saw his sin, repented, turned to the Lord and asked his son to forgive him. But the son decided he would not allow his dad back into his life because of how badly he had hurt him. And that showing him mercy, letting him back into his life would minimize the sin he had committed against his son. That's tragic. That's tragic. Let's maximize God's mercy. And taking those inviting our enemies back, but taking back all those who want to restore the relationship. And let's not be afraid of mercies if somehow that's going to destroy justice and make things go bad. Let God take care of that. There is a real place for justice. But let mercy triumph over judgment. It's the way it is with the Lord. That's how he's dealt with you and with me. Mercy to Shimei. Who's the first one to rush down the bank of the Jordan River to greet David? And he's got with him a thousand people from the tribe of Benjamin. And he's got with him Ziba, the steward of Mephibosheth's property. Oh yeah, no longer the steward because remember how Ziba slandered Mephibosheth and told David when David was leaving Jerusalem after Absalom came in, Ziba said, sorry to tell you, but Mephibosheth has joined the revolt. He's hoping that this will be the doorway that, that Saul's household gets to take back the throne again. I'm sorry to tell you that. And then David says to Ziba, okay, all the land of Saul that I gave to Mephibosheth, I now give to you. It's yours. Well, here comes Shimei, that guy Ziba, 
and his 15 son and his 20 servants, together with a thousand Benjamites, together with all the people of Judah. And Shimei is the first down the riverbank to greet the king. Now, you remember that guy? You remember Shimei? He's the guy that when David was leaving Jerusalem in the revolt, weeping, who pelted rocks and curses and dirt on David and said, you man of blood, get out, get out, you worthless man. Today, God is punishing you for stealing the kingdom from Saul's house. Remember that? That's Shimei. And now he comes back. First one over. And look at his confession of sin. Verse 19. My Lord, don't hold me guilty. And don't remember your servant's wrongdoing on the day my Lord, the king, left Jerusalem. May the king not take it to heart, for your servant knows that I have sinned. These are beautiful words of confession and contrition. What I did was wrong. I sinned against you, O king. Don't hold it against me. Don't remember it. That's the picture of God's forgiveness. He will not hold your sins against you. He will remember them no more. He doesn't hold against us what we've done against him because he put it on Jesus and Jesus annihilated it. We hope to see that this afternoon. He annihilated it. It cost Jesus a lot, but it's free for us, that forgiveness. Now, I don't quite trust Shimei's confession, to be honest. Because if you look at the next verse, 20b, there's too much of himself in it. He, He sort of says proudly, see, look at me, behold, I've come this day. I'm the first of all the house of Joseph to come down to meet my Lord, the king. I'm the first. You see how good I am, a good man? You see why you should have mercy on me? Brothers and sisters, when you confess your sin and seek the Lord's mercy, don't put any of yourself in it. Don't say, see how good I am. See all the good stuff I've done. Isn't that a reason why you should forgive the bad stuff? No, no, no. You just say, I've sinned. Have mercy on me. And you let the Lord Jesus Christ be your pleading ground, your argument. See what Jesus has done for me. So there's too much of Shimei in it. And later on, Shimei will prove that he's a fake. And before David dies, he says to Solomon, you've got to kill Shimei. He's not real. He cursed me. And even Solomon will give Shimei a second chance. If you behave yourself, I won't kill you, but Shimei doesn't. So this guy I don't believe is real. But David takes him at his word here at this time. And it's a day for mercy. And he says to Shimei, you won't die. And he swore an oath. And and we know from 1 Kings that what David means by this, I won't be the one to kill you. I won't kill you. I will, while I'm alive, I will protect your life. And Abishai, brother of Joab, son of Zeruiah, 
is so upset that David would show mercy to Shimei. Bad guy Shimei. Shouldn't he be killed? Oh, that makes David mad. What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah? This is not a day for killing. We've been shown such mercy. This is a day for mercy. Matthew Henry writes, Princes have need to arm themselves against temptations to severity. The less we have to do with those who are of an angry, vengeful spirit and who put us upon doing what is harsh and rigorous, the better. But here again, we have a picture of Jesus' mercy to us. Have you cursed the king? Again, I think of Peter denying Jesus with curses. Have you cursed the king? Have you said terrible things about God? Have you insulted him and put him down? And have you thrown stones at the Lord? You need to know your king is not harsh but gentle and ready to hear your confession and have you back. Now, if your confession is fake like Shimei's, On the day of judgment, God will not show you mercy, but expose you as a fraud and say, depart from me, you lawless one. So don't fake it. Really see that you have really cursed the king and you really deserve to die and you really need his mercy and you love him for his sake and you rest on his goodness, not your own. Completely on his goodness. Guaranteed. He will give you life, not just for a little while now, but forever, forever. The king is merciful. Take advantage of his mercy. And say, my Lord, don't hold me me guilty. Don't remember my sins against me. And he will forgive you. He'll forgive you. There are so many reasons in this passage for you to see a king of mercy today and take advantage of that. Say, that's what I need. The Lord will take me back. The Lord will receive me. He'll forgive all the evil things I've done against him. And he'll give me a rich welcome into his kingdom. And mercy will triumph over judgment. Because Christ bore God's justice toward me on the cross. And then we meet Mephibosheth, the grandson of Saul. Mephibosheth. He also came to the Jordan River to meet the returning king. What do you notice about Mephibosheth? It says there he doesn't, hadn't taken care of his feet. His toenails were long and his feet were smelly and dirty He hadn't trimmed his beard and he hadn't washed his clothes ever since David had fled from Jerusalem. He was a mess and he stank. He was in a position of mourning and uncleanness because David was gone. 
And David asked him, Mephibosheth, why didn't you go with me? Apparently, remember David had believed Ziba's story that Mephibosheth had joined the revolution, the revolt, the rebellion against David. And so David had given all Mephibosheth's land to Ziba, the servant, the steward. You remember Mephibosheth, that grandson of Saul, that son of Jonathan, who David had found, reached out and found way over in Lodabar, east of the Jordan River, and taken into his palace to live with him and to eat at the king's table every day. Even though he was crippled, he couldn't do anything for the king. The king did everything for him. That's the guy. And Mephibosheth explains, I, your servant Mephibosheth or Ziba slandered me. It wasn't true. The king is like an angel to me. I would never turn my back on you. In fact, even though I was lame, I wanted to take a donkey and come out and go out with you, but they wouldn't let me. But he says, do what seems good to you, my lord, the king. And David says, I've decided. Or don't talk to me anymore about this. As if to say, I don't know who's right. I've got your story and I got Ziba's story. So let, just, let me just say you're both right. And you each get the land. Divide the land between yourselves. Maybe that doesn't seem fully just to us. If Ziba has slandered Mephibosheth, shouldn't Mephibosheth get all the land? And if Mephibosheth's lying, shouldn't Ziba keep all the land? And, but it's David's way of reaching out to both of them and uniting them and saying, Peace to both of you. Mercy to both of you. Let's unite around the throne and seek the Lord. I want to look more fully at Barzillai next time, Lord willing, because there's so much beauty there, I can't cover it properly now. But the main thing is the plain thing. The king takes the road of mercy back to his throne. And he extends an olive branch to all his enemies. And he reaches out to them. Are you reaching out to your enemies and inviting them to be reconciled and to reunite? Reunite. Is that your modus operandi? Your way of living, your way of dealing with people? The only way we can get there is to be overwhelmed with the way the Lord is treating you and me. He's not giving us what we deserve. But when we call out to him, he shows us his mercy. He forgives our sins. He takes us into his kingdom. He makes us commanders of his army. He says, you're my bone and my flesh. You're my brothers. You're my sisters. You're my family. You're mine. Doesn't that overwhelm you, that grace? How then can we be graceless to our brothers and sisters in the church, even toward our enemies? 
May the glory of Christ shine through us to all. Be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful, said Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we stand amazed at this road of mercy. Israel, Judah, Amasa, Shimei, Ziba, Mephibosheth. Real hurts, real sin, real people, real situations, real mercy, real forgiveness. It's a slice of life in your kingdom under Jesus Christ, the merciful one. And we pray that you will help us also in the same way, in the name of King Jesus, to extend the same mercy. Help us to be overwhelmed by how kind, gentle, merciful, and forgiving you have been toward us and still are every day. And may that love of your mercy shine from our lives. Hear us in Jesus' name, amen.